Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some Bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome to episode 233 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. The Bruins are off to a 6-0 start. They defeat the Chicago Blackhawks for the second time this season already. They beat them 3-0 in Chicago. Bridging Scott opening shifts. Yeah, mine's got to be the goaltending. Uh, 23 safe shot out for Jeremy Swayman Tuesday night in Chicago. Him and Linus Allmark are both 3-0-0 so far this season. Neither one has allowed more than two goals in a game. Uh, Allmark hasn't allowed more than one. He's allowed exactly one in all three of his starts. Uh, it, it, it's amazing. Like They were the best tandem last regular season obviously some questions surfaced with how poorly the playoffs went when they decided to ride all mark and you know he kind of whether he broke down or just didn't have a good series whatever you want to call it um but now they're picking up this season right this regular season right where they left off last regular season um 39 goalies in the nhl have made at least three starts so far they are first and second in save percentage. Allmark first, Swayman second. So we we knew goaltending should still be the strength of the team, would have to be with so much turnover. And so far, they've not only been the strength, they've been by far like the best goalies in the NHL. Yeah, no, it's, it's impressive again. Uh, and to kind of go off what you just said as well, um, that they're picking off, the goalies are picking right up where they left off last season. Well, the wins are 
just as they were last season too. They haven't lost yet. And obviously last year setting the single season record for wins. Now they've tied their record for wins, six wins to start the season, just um, and a chance to break the record of wins to start the season against Anaheim on Thursday, who they've already beaten and um, have proven that, you know, the, the Ducks just aren't quite the caliber team that they would, that the Bruins are. Um, so I think they're going to set the record, the new record for wins to start the season and maybe even just keep running that up. So I'm going to say that in a year where it seems to be Connor Bedard's trophy to lose, Matthew Patra, how can you not talk about him and, you know, four points in six games, obviously we all expect Bedard to, you know, more or less run away with the, with the rookie scoring title this year but it's a very impressive rookie class you have Matthew Nyes, Adam Fintelli, uh, Logan Cooley, Connor Bedard obviously as I mentioned but Matthew Patra he's you know fourth in the Bruins and scoring through six games albeit but still I mean four points in your first six NHL games and looking good doing it and impacting the game I just think look if Connor Bedard wins the Calder everybody expects it right but if Matthew Patra can can be somebody who who pushes and is one of those players that's in the conversation um what a what a steal for the Bruins in in uh in last year's draft or 20 2021's draft 2022 yeah no it was 22 yeah yeah um yeah I mean just just to pick up there right now it's Matt Patra who's the leading goal scorer among rookies he he has three in his last two games so three on the season now and no one else has more than two so Bedard Fantilli Nyes there's a couple other guys I think it was um Marco Rossi and Ty um, Cartier out in uh, Seattle, all of two. So, yeah, like he's the one pacing the field right now. And, you know, to your point, like I ultimately think Bedard is going to end up running away with it. Um, if for no other reason, then he's just going to get so much more opportunity than Patra. And by that, I mean like minutes. Like he, he's already playing 19, 20 minutes a game that's going to continue all season. If his conditioning holds up, you'll even see him get like some 22, 23 minute nights. And I just think on, on a team, on a deeper, better team, like the Bruins, Padre's probably not going to do that right now. He's been around 14, 15. You can maybe see that get up to like 16, 17, but they don't, they don't need him to play 20 minutes a night. Like the Blackhawks do with Bedard because Bedard is that entire team. Like they just don't have the depth behind him so for that reason alone Bedard will end up with more points and probably win the Calder but um yeah I mean just just another another impressive game for Patra you know forces a steal in the D zone takes it the other way in a breakaway blows right past Corey Perry which you know obviously Perry at his age doesn't have the foot speed he once did but still like that that's Corey Perry that you just stole the puck from and blew past for a breakaway goal um, and you know, just his importance to the team. He even got bumped up to the first line of times last night. He currently is tied for the team lead in five on five goals and five on five points. It's like, it, it, he's clearly a difference maker. He's clearly sticking around past the nine games and it's just, it's a godsend for the Bruins. Like it's exactly what they needed and he's, he's delivered so far. And that was his nicest goal, I think, so far, too. Like, he he has three, but that one 
last night, he, because of the defensive play that he made first and then just, um, you know, going on a breakaway, he, I mean, he made it look easy too. So on the finish. So uh, that one was probably his prettiest one so far. And to the point about him versus Bedard, um, Bedard also is going to get more time on the power play. Um, presuming, I mean, Potter does get time on the power play just so far. It's been with the second unit um, and has been less time than Zaka has been getting uh, as the top unit center. So that might also chip away a little bit at his, you know, chances to, to really boost his stats to the level of Bedard by the end of the season. And Bedard is the real deal. Uh, we saw him in person uh, play on opening night and he's, he's the real deal. So um, it would be surprising if anyone beat him out for the trophy, but uh, I like that Patra is even in the conversation. And if he can continue to be in the conversation, that means he's, playing like one of the best players in the NHL more than likely if, if he remains in that conversation. Yeah. And again, it's, it's just somebody that nobody ever thought that going into this season, uh, certainly after last spring's ending that the Bruins would have a rookie, you know, pushing for potential Calder votes at some point. Now I get it. It's the first month of the season, but we can only judge based off of what's happened so far. And, and obviously we don't really see, you know, him slowing down. Obviously there might be some slumps here and there scoring wise, like everybody has, but you know, it's very it's very apparent that that he not only can create plays, but now he's showing he, he can also finish them. And what's interesting, to, and yeah, like the goal last night against Chicago was clearly uh, the nicest goal he's had. It shows his finesse and speed. And uh, as opposed to the Anaheim game where he's scoring in different ways, which is going to the net, which and showing that that determination and grit that is also needed to score goals. What what stands out to me though is that when I watched that goal last night, and I you know throughout watching the season. The knock on him uh, as far as like critiquing his game was that, you know, skating wasn't his strength or speed wasn't his strength. And I mean, he could, he can fool me because I think, it, I think it's kind of relative. I feel like nowadays people compare, you know, everybody's skating ability to like, you know, Connor McDavid. It's like, well, not everybody's that. Nobody else is that. I mean, Patra is a, he's not just keeping up at the NHL level. He's a, he seems to be a, fa a quick NHL skater, a fast NHL skater with, with breakaway speed. And, you know, I think that's something that people didn't, they said t the contrary, and and so I, I'm pleasantly surprised to see that, like David Krejci didn't have that that type of breakaway speed that you see last night. So it's people say, oh, he's very, he's very Krejci-esque in his vision. He slows the game. Like, he's got some more speed than I think people give him credit for. Yeah, and, and they also had said, you know, he's not the tallest and he's not the heaviest, and maybe you know that will affect him getting bumped off the puck. But you see him shielding the puck. You see him being able to hold his own against any of the defenders he's gone up against and um, he's not a liability in that way either. So um, he, and he's funny cause he acknowledged it when we were talking to him, when Scott and I talked to him the day before the season started, he was like, yeah, I know I'm not the biggest guy. Like that's not my, that's, that's not my strength, but like, it's, it's not slowing him down at this point um, at all. So those things that you hear like, Oh, well, he's 19 and he's small and you, you know, you might not be the fastest. Well, I think the people are, that uh, were saying that are probably going to stop saying that soon <laughs> um, because he's his biggest asset is his hockey IQ and, and how he knows the game and how good his um, sense is on when to pass and where people are. So he's been showing that the whole time. Yeah. That, that was interesting after the game Montgomery was asked, you know, as he's been asked a few times about, 
like, do you see him sticking around? You know, what, where are you at on that decision now? And, and I think he was just trying to play cool and like, not, you know, don't hand the kid anything just yet, like before you have to, but he said, you know, he's certainly made it a tough decision. And I feel like it's actually now already swung past that where he's now made it an easy decision. Like to the point where like, I almost don't even think there's a decision to be made. It's like, clearly he's sticking around. Clearly he helps your team. He's proven that he's ready. He's proven that he can handle it. And, you know, look, at some point there's going to be some bumps, like no, you know, game 40 or 50 in January or February. Like, yeah, I'm sure he's going to have a tough stretch at some point, but um, everything is there and like, he's clearly ready. So I think you're past the point now of worrying about like, oh, you know, is he going to wear down? Are there more things he has to work on in juniors? It's like, yeah, there's going to be stuff he has to work on. There's going to be times where he's probably a little tired, but he can work through that here. Like in the meantime, let him help you win games because that's what he's doing. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see any, any tough decision really looming. I mean, if they send if they send him down, that'd be like that'd be just universally disagreed with by fans and by reporters there's, and everything. There's no, there's no way. No, there's no yeah. way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think that um, I mean, everybody has things to work on. Like every like if I I can't stand when people, as it pertains to prospects, especially who who have shown that they deserve an opportunity. It's it's annoying when people are like, well, there's still things that they could work on with their game before they get to the NHL, it's like, name me an NHL product that's, that's, or NHL player that's a completely perfect product. It's, it's, I mean, again, you can sit there and say, if you want Connor McDavid, but I'm sure you can even find things with his game. You know, I, I don't know, but I, I'm not going to tr- be the one to try to do that. But um, my point is like, I mean, David Pasternak's been in the league for 10 years and he's one of the best players in the world. We all know that he, he turns the puck over. So it's like, like, what are we doing here? And And the Bruins gave him an opportunity 10 years ago. And yeah, it's like, it's just it's 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 silly to 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 think that way. I feel like if a player's shown that they're ready to to take that next step and and that the the lower levels are no longer helpful for them, like we talked about a month ago, it's like there's something to be said about learning how to play hockey at the NHL level with the NHL pace of play. Um, that's more valuable than you know going down to put on a few pounds of size. It's it's and, and Patra is is the prime example. Now most not every player takes the opportunity to, that he's had and, and runs with it. But he has, and there were a lot of people that were not a lot, but there were some people that were after training camp saying, eh, "Good camp, maybe we should still send him down though," or like just because they want to get him out of the year in juniors. Like, why? He was the best player in camp. The team needs the help, and he's he's ready. So I'm glad that it's kind of worked out the way that it has. Um, How are we liking the chemistry there that he's had with that line with the brusque? I think it's. I mean, on. Sunday, it was awesome. That was their best line. I think Tuesday, it was a little quieter, and they, they weren't alone in that. I think the whole team got up to a little bit of a slower start, and then you start to see the Bruins take over in the second and third period, the second period especially. Um, part of that was, you know, Montgomery did shake it up again. He put Patra on the top line with Marcia and Pasternak, and Zaka was with Dabrowski and Geeky for a little bit, and I thought that created a little bit of a spark. And then he went back to the regular lines in the third period um, with Potra back between DeBrusque and Geeky. And I thought, I thought everyone 
was playing better at that point. So maybe, you know, final game of a, of a road trip, third game in four nights, fourth in, in six days. Like maybe they just needed some, some, you know, a little bit of a jump start or whatever, but I think it's been good. And I think, I think Potter and Geeky have been good together. Like I, I think Geeky's a good compliment for him on that wing. You know, we've, I've said, and, and I know other people have said, like, I still have concerns about whether Geeky's going to last long-term in a, you know, quote-unquote top six role, if you want to call it that. Although, you know, minute-wise, it might be more like a third-line role anyways. Um, but he does some things that really help Potcher out in terms of his forechecking, his work down low, um, getting to the net. I think, you know, I remember saying this, like, maybe after, like, the first the first or second game, that Potter and Geeky were two guys I consistently noticed being at the net front for shots from the point. And that has remained true all season so far. Like you still see both of them taking that message to heart from Montgomery of, okay, get the puck back to the point and then go to the net. And they're both doing it consistently. And I think, um, you know, that's led to good things for whatever line they've been on, whoever's, been on their left and now you you put DeBrusque there and it's you know he brings an element of speed some more offensive skill finishing so yeah I've I've liked that line like it might not be you might not think of that line getting like the heavy minutes that a second line normally gets but right right now they're just a good line so I don't really care where you slot them in on the depth chart they're they're playing good hockey yeah, I don't have much more to add than than, than Scott there. It would just be redundant. I, I agree with them. And it hasn't been a huge sample size, but Potra has just kind of been somebody who's I don't know, he's he's just he's just driven every line he's kind of been on so far, even even in preseason. But uh but I, yeah, I do like the the speed uh with DeBrusque and and yeah, Geeky's not from present. So it's been it's been good. Um just a little not enough sample size, I guess, to really assess it long-term obviously, but so far so good. I've just, I've just liked Potter's game. He's, he's elevated players around them every time he's been on a certain line. Obviously I would say the, uh, the, the, the LA game, uh, was that, was, was it LA where he was on? No, it was San Jose. The first game with, with Martian and geeky was kind of, you know, off a little bit, but besides that every line he's been on, he's kind of driven offense. So yeah. Uh, Bridget, you, you have an opinion on that yourself? Uh, well, just, uh, I, I think it looks better than the combination with Marshawn, like, like you were just kind of alluding to, I think it looked better. Um, both of the games that it was together on this road trip. So, uh, I like it. I like him alongside DeBrusque as well. I think they, that there's a lot of potential for scoring when you have those two together. So, um, I do want to, I want to check back in on, on your opening take because, as it pertains to the, their six no start and look, I don't want to glance over the elephant in the room, which is last spring. So the, the asterisk here is that it's the regular season, but over there, and I know there's been turnover, but as an organization in their last 88 regular season hockey games, the Bruins are 71, 12 and five. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What just, what are your, what are your reactions to that initially? Cause that's a, that's a, I know last spring happened, but that is a jarring statistic. Yeah, it is. And it, especially we, we know how good last year's team was, you know, yeah, they exceeded expectations, but 
you looked at that, you know, by a month into the season when McAvoy and Marshall are coming back from injury, like you looked at that roster and you were like, well, there's no hole. Like they're getting the best goaltending in the league. The defense is loaded. They're really deep offensively. So you never predict 65 wins, but it was clear that that was a really deep team. And on paper, probably the best in the NHL. The fact that they're starting so well this year, even with a softer schedule, which has to be acknowledged, you know, they've still, in my mind, only played one playoff team so far. And that that was the Kings. And that still is their most impressive win to me. Um, but to be 6-0-0 and to be winning, like no matter who you play, a six-game winning streak in the NHL is impressive. And doing it with a four-game road trip in the middle, doing it with a back-to-back, with travel across multiple time zones, like that's all still impressive. So it, it's surprising because we expected a step back this year and there, that might still come at this point, but um, you know, it comes back to something I said in the last podcast, which is just when you have the foundation of the the defense and goaltending that they do, you're going to be in every game and you're going to give yourself a chance to win a lot of games. And that was as good as they were offensively last year. That was their foundation. Goaltending was the biggest edge they had over the rest of the league throughout the regular season. And through six games this year, that's been the case again. So I think it's it's a testament to the incredible goaltending tandem they've put together. It's a testament to the defensive foundation and the personnel and defense that they have, um, you know, starting under Bruce Cassidy and what he built, but then continuing with Jim Montgomery and some of the some of the tweaks he made. Um you know, and, and yeah, obviously the longer term question is going to be how do you translate that into more playoff success than you had last year? And they have they and we have a long time to figure that out and talk about it and discuss it and try to answer that question. But for now, it's it it keeps coming back to me like when you have this foundation that they have, deep that's how you win that many games because it just it it doesn't crumble like other teams have off nights and give up five goals and the Bruins can be playing poorly and still be in a zero zero one one game because their goaltending just isn't going to crack old man winter here if I had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted visit the Hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so kind of the same thing as last year, barring some like catastrophic injuries to goaltending or McAvoy or, you know, on the back end, uh, you're, you're a deep team um, because it turns out that Patrick isn't just a rookie that's going to have to like make do. Like they're going to have to make do with him. Like, no, he's actually legitimately one of the assets and one of the, the better pieces on the team, it turns out so far. So um, they're not as deep as last year, but they also don't have as big of holes as they thought they were going to, I think, in, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, the only injury that the Bruins were dealing with um, on Tuesday was Lucci was out. Um, he took – I saw Fluto tweet out um, – because he was in Chicago that Lucci took like went to take the ice for morning skate, but left early. And then obviously wasn't in the lineup for the Tuesday game, still dealing with that foot injury from blocking the shot. Well, not blocking the shot. He accidentally got hit with a, a Bruin shot. So um, yeah, he was the only person that was out. I know Forbert was kind of day to day, but um, he's okay right now. So you know, injuries, it's early in the season, but injuries is really the one big worry that would throw things off track. Um, but I was going to ask you, pose this question to you guys. So they, they've obviously already won six in a row to start the season. They play Anaheim thir- uh, Thursday to go for their seventh, but could they actually just continue to to keep winning? If you look at the, if we, I'm going to pull up the schedule. It, and we'll go through it. So they play Anaheim and then Detroit and then Florida, the, the three teams to end the month. And then the next game after that is Toronto. Which game do you see this streak ending at? Does this just keep going? Scott, I'll I'll let you start because I know you said you think you have a, you already have the team pegged. So Yeah, well, it's not so much the team, but there does always seem to be something to that old adage of first game home after a road trip is usually tough. I, I could just see the Ducks stealing one on Thursday. The Bruins are obviously a better team. There's no doubt in my mind about that. So it's not even like, oh, the Ducks are a tough matchup. I could just see the Bruins having a, a tough night in their first game back. Um, you know, they they flew back late Tuesday night. They get in early Wednesday morning. They do have Wednesday off, but that that game, that's you know, sometimes that turnaround to Thursday can be tough. So Bridget's right that like if you just look at the schedule, it's like, well, they could keep going. Like Detroit's off to a good start, but Bruins, I think, should be better. Florida's struggling. Bruins should be better than them. But like realistically, I just I don't see it going forever. I mean, the the NHL record is 10, by the way. So, you know, if you get four more, you tie the NHL record. You don't but, see 82? You're not seeing 82? Uh, 82 it's, it's in play. It's in play. The season. It could happen, yeah. And to end the season. Oh, 07 Patriots. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, 
but no, but just, just just for the sake of picking a game, I'll I'm gonna pick the uh, sort of the the trap game Thursday coming back. So that it will end at six. Yeah. You're saying. Okay. Um, because this this conversation started in the office yesterday when I was talking to Arcand and uh, I because he asked me he was like, "What game do you think they're gonna lose first? And I said, "Maybe the you know obviously Florida is something that they're you know they're gonna want revenge. So that might be a game they get up for like I could see that being a really like high energy game for them um playing the team that knocked them out in the playoffs and then the other thing is all four of the games that I said the next four games for the Bruins are all home games so like you're playing Toronto but you're playing them at home and you're playing Florida you're playing them at home so uh, I don't know if that really shifts the skills um I'd be interested to see what the like the betting odds are for the Toronto game um who they would have as the underdog there but and and would the Bruins you know be favored just because it was at home uh I think that they could continue to let's see so Thursday would be seven if they beat then if they beat Detroit to be eight if they beat so if they win the homestand like if they take all four games in the homestand they would be at 10 or 11 they'd be at 10 right no they'd be at 11 so they'd, break they'd be at 10 yeah they'd be at 10 so they tie the nhl record don't let me do math um don't, don't have i can't even add four i can't even well i fine it's fine guys i i think they're going 82 and 0 so i think they're gonna obliterate the record as we've mentioned before <laughs> but let's just say they don't go 82 and 0 um i think i think detroit might be the uh might be the first loss. Um, not so much that that Detroit's the real deal and that they're going to be uh, a playoff team at the end of the season. Though you know they're off to a great start, but I do like I do like the way they're playing right now, and and uh, I can just see them catching Boston um, next week. And so, so Thursday is more than likely another Olmark game, right? So against Anaheim. So I feel like I don't know. I feel like that's a such a winnable game that they sh- they should well, be able to win it. Like it, that's like it is. I mean, you- game to win. Yeah, you once again catch a little bit of a break of the schedule because they could have that letdown I'm talking about and, you know, sleepwalk through the first two periods and then still win the game. Like, that's what they just did Sunday in Anaheim. They Mm -hmm. snoozed through the first two periods and still won. So, yeah, like, that absolutely could happen where it's like, oh, they didn't play well, but they still pulled it out. So, um, yeah, you know, certainly, like... Right, right now, any game seems pretty winnable for them. I, that Detroit game, I am excited for it, though. That like, that's a team off to a really good start. That it's especially offensively has been very exciting. They have some depth. Like, they've made some good additions the the last couple of years. So, Debrinket has been awesome for them. So, um, that should be a fun game. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see just. If and you want to know what, because I've been working with the midday show, I've been talking to a few of those guys about it. And for it was like, I, does it matter? Like, what does it matter that they won the first six games to start the season? It doesn't do anything. You know, it doesn't help you in the playoffs. Like it, I was disagreeing with him just on the fact that it's historically, you know, a big deal. Like it's, but no, it doesn't help. Nothing helps in the playoffs besides you playing well in the playoffs. So obviously like it doesn't mean anything in that sense, but neither does 
the, anything in other sports that aren't playoffs either, right? Like, all right, well, you, the Celtics, they could have a great regular season. Same thing. Got to perform in the playoffs. It's, it's yeah. not like, you know, I'm trying to say that, like, even though, like, you can't just let that be in the back of your mind. Like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, are you not watching till the playoffs? Like, I just, I don't. I don't know. No, it's I, I that it's true. That mentality is really annoying um, that people have. It's like, well, you know, the regular season doesn't matter. So you know, talk to me in April. It's like, also, okay, it's, it's fine. Then then don't watch. Like like, what do you like? Yeah. Like only but, one only one team wins. So are you only gonna watch a regular season if you know that they're gonna win a Stanley Cup? I mean, what? Then yeah. don't watch. Then 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 you know, be a pink cat and and join in April and then get pissed at them when they lose. But like if you if you like if you like watching the sport, then then watch it. And also, let's just like six wins to start the season, and you're racking up wins uh, at any point in time. You're also setting yourself up for better uh, seeding in the playoffs. So, like, it, it does affect in a, a very small way. Like, hey, maybe those six wins are what gets them the the top seed in the conference, and they don't have to play a harder matchup. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, I especially after last year, even though I love history myself, like I guess I personally don't really care about the history of a 6-0 start, but it absolutely matters for making the playoffs now for making the playoffs this year. Like, uh, of course you want to get off to a good start and be in a position where you're one of those teams who's in and other teams are chasing rather than, you know, I mean, you look at the standings, like, some of the teams that are off to slow starts, whether it's Tampa, Florida, Pittsburgh, Carolina, the Islanders, like all these teams who expect to be playoff teams um, who are kind of chasing it, who right now are outside the playoff picture. And obviously it's very early and they have a lot of time to, to get back in it. But, you know, we all know the, like the adage about Thanksgiving, which, has been disproven a couple times recently, but you want to be in a playoff spot come Thanksgiving. Like you don't want to be playing catch up the second half of the year. You don't want to have to go all out, even though that ultimately worked for Florida last year. I, you know, obviously that that's an example of a team that was playing playoff hockey for like the last month of the regular season and seemed to benefit them. But that said, it's like, if the Penguins just don't lose to the Blue Jackets, then it, it still all would have been for naught for the Panthers. Like they needed a ton of help. They need so much to to break right just to make the playoffs. You don't want to be in that position. So yeah, like somewhere down the road, we can maybe have the conversation about hey, hey, is it like last year? They're oh, they're running away from the pack and they're not playing meaningful hockey. And like, is that gonna hurt them? We are so far away from that right now. Like they're what they're one point ahead of the Red Wings. They're, they're not doing that yet. Like right now they're just off to a good start and they're banking points. And that's important because before you have any play of success, you have to make the playoffs first. So they're putting themselves in a good position to do that. Bingo. No. There you go. Nailed it with the last sentence. Uh, yeah. That you have to make the playoffs. And it looks like we, we mentioned, I think we all had them as finishing second in the division. They could even finish first now. So like we legit logistically, you guys are absolutely right. And I agree with you guys. And that's why we like, we understand that, but, there, but you know, 
I feel like what Arkan is saying and in, in, in the in the mindset no, of a lot of Fourier. Fourier. I, I feel like uh, the mindset that a lot of people have is like, they don't care. Like, like they, they're, they're under the impression that like they are making the playoffs, like, cause they're assuming that they're going to make the playoffs. So their whole thing is, I don't care. Is, you know, it's like winning the playoffs is all I care about. And it's like, then, then, then don't watch then, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, it's interesting, Scott, though, you, the, the two anomalies, as far as the Thanksgiving threshold, I feel like that weren't in the playoff picture and then made the playoff picture. Um, I feel like both of those teams actually were the ones to uh, end the Bruins season with St. Louis in 19 and Florida last year. So I don't know, but yeah, it, it, the whole, the whole, the whole, I understand that if you don't win in the playoffs, like, you know, obviously like if you're a regular season, darling, that's annoying. I get it. I get everybody's frustration for sure. But the whole yeah. talk to me in April, it's like, well, we got six months of watching hockey. So it's like, just then, then don't watch, you know, but, but <laughs> if, if, if you don't watch and end up winning, um, you know, you'll feel like a real asshole for, for not watching hockey. But again, we've talked about it before. Only one team can win a Stanley Cup. So, you know, there's, thir- there's, all, there's, there's 30, how many teams are there now? 32? There's going to be 31 fan bases that are disappointed at one point in time this year. And like, chances are you're one of them. So know that going into it, just enjoy watching the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, it's a sign of how spoiled Boston fans have gotten where mm-hmm. it's like, it's just oh for all four teams it's just always championship or bust and it's like no one can enjoy anything else and it's like maybe we should all like take a step back and appreciate that our teams have won so so many titles in the last 25 years that like we can have that mindset but it does kind of make the whole sports fan experience like almost more miserable in a way because it's like i don't know if you like sports it's like you've got to like watching all year if the product's entertaining i mean look i'll be the first person to complain about watching the patriots when mac jones is throwing three picks and they're losing 34 to nothing like that's that's not fun to watch i get that but if your team's winning and they're competitive every night like like how can you not enjoy watching Matt Potter right now? Like that's, that's a really fun thing to watch as a fan. So it, it, yeah, like it, like everyone can have their own opinion. If there's, if there's people who don't want to pay attention or care until April, then, then so be it. But I know we and lots of Bruins fans will enjoy watching this team as long as they're winning and they're competitive and there's, something you know worth being excited about like you don't have to you know you don't have to preface everything with like well it doesn't matter until april and it's like yeah like uh, of course we all inherently understand that to an extent but i don't know you can enjoy watching games before then <laughs> yeah it's been much more enjoyable than watching the patriots i will say um <laughs> and the red Sox. and they're oh god i Black that out. <laughs> that entire season is Bridget, Bridget, just, like, Bridget was working every game. She's just like the what now? Yeah, I just like deleted that from my mind. I think to the, to the point about, about being spoiled though. It's like if you look if you rewind the clocks to you know two thousand five, six, seven. It, those were some down years. The Bruins post lockout. Now you also look at the rest of the landscape, right? Like so in. You know, in 2004, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Red Sox won the World Series. 2005, um, 
Did the Red Sox, did the, did the Patriots go back to back? No, that was the year before. But the Celtics won the title in 07. The Red Sox won the title in 07. So those, those, that three to four year stretch for the Bruins were at least calendar years. It was, it was an NHL lockout. So out of sight, out of mind. And then they came back and, you know, they struggled for a couple of seasons. So those years when the Bruins were down, everybody else was up. Right. But I will say, like, think back to those years. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're watching a blue line with, you know, Jason York, Milan Yurchina, uh, Andrew Alberts. You know, I mean, like, I don't even know if Brian Leach for like a, a cup of coffee before Chara came in. Like, you, the the garden was like twenty percent full. The, the product wasn't great, but you still, I mean, you still watch. But my point is, like, this whole notion of just like you know, talk to me in April is just, you know, it's just annoying. So oh, I, I obviously chimed in. I couldn't let that one. Yeah. Well, it's a, well, <laughs> well, it's also annoying because it's like it, like the, the the narrative makes like the people who watch like it's like condescending towards them. Like, why are you watching? Yes. It doesn't matter. That yet. is that it's, is how I feel most of the time when I'm in the office. Why do Why do we do anything then? Like, like <laughs> does, does anything really have a purpose? Are we just wandering through life on this planet with with like n- nothing accomplished? I mean, mm-hmm. who cares? Like. <laughs> just be entertained well it's, 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 it's the same it's the same people that will you know they'll read articles about if mac jones had his eggs over easy or over medium so it's like <laughs> you know, all right that's fine you know go go sniff his jock for you know for five months when a team's you know three and ten but well what they whatever. what they get when they have me as their producer is all of my unsolicited hockey opinions and uh yeah <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh, yep, you're, you're hearing what I have to say about this. <laughs> Until someone turns my mic off. All right, Scott, talk to us about how good the goalies are. Let's jump back to your, your opening take. Well, we tra- I feel like we're we trading, like- we trading them or bo- both of them, none of them. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I mean, that that's obviously like the next conversation that's going to come or it is already here. I feel like, you know, we do Bruins Thursday um, every week on WEI and Obviously, you know, one of the guests is Mike Milbury on the Greg Hill show. I feel like every week Wiggy's going to ask him, you know, should they be trading a goalie? Like this, this has been Wiggy's thing since, since last year, like since early last season, I guess to his credit, he's been consistent on it, but um, yeah, no, it's like, sure. At some point you can't keep both of them forever because if Jeremy Swayman keeps playing like this, he's going to get another pay raise next summer. And yeah, at some point you price yourself out of being able to have two elite goalies. I still think, you know, Hey, if someone wants to blow you away with a trade-off for one of them, cool. Take it. Like if you, if you can get a top center or wing or whatever, you know, multiple first round picks. Sure. You know, be my guest, but until that happens, like you're winning games because of your goaltending and they are both clearly better with each other, alternating time, not having to ride one of them for eight or 10 straight starts um, or overwork them or whatever. And like, yeah, there are more complicated discussions coming down the line about, you know, do you move on from one of them at some point? What do you do when you get to the playoffs this year? That if they keep like if they keep this rotation going, so far it's been a strict one-on-one off. Like it's they've just alternated six games. 
if that continues for like the vast majority of the season, we're going to have that same conversation about should they keep the rotation going in the playoffs or do they try to ride the hot hand again or, you know, whatever, like that'll absolutely be a conversation to have. But again, for now, the most important thing early in the season is get off to a good start, win games, bank points, put yourself in position to make the playoffs first and foremost. And right now they have statistically the two best goalies in the NHL. Why would you not rotate them? Why would you not ride that to as many wins and points as you can while everything else gets figured out? Because it certainly hasn't been perfect through six games. Jim Montgomery has talked about, you know, he wants more sustained five on five offense, possession, chances, cycling. Um, you know, we know the schedule is going to get tougher. Like, just just take the wins and just ride that strength. It's not any sort of negative. So whatever, whatever tough decisions are down the line are for now they're they're down the line. Like right now, you have the best goaltending in the NHL, and that's going to get you in a pretty good position uh, throughout this regular season. Are you on one of the shows Thursday? Uh, I don't think so. Not this week. Okay. Oh, I'm just with the midday show in general. So like I said, they're going to be getting my unsolicited Bruins Thursday takes <laughs> at some point uh, tomorrow. But um, I feel like the goal, like we don't even have to talk much more than what your opening statement was, you know, at the very beginning of the podcast, because you gave us all the sta- all the stats and like, it just so they, they kind of, don't come up in our podcast a lot because they just do their job and they make everything like we pick apart other parts of the game and we're never sitting around like, Oh, you know, all Mark should have done this, you know, or it just doesn't even get discussed a lot with us. Um, So i actually don't really have any more thoughts on it at this point, but I did want to ask you guys about the like quote unquote NHL red zone. If you guys watched it at all, what you thought of it, how that went. Okay. So I did not. And, um, you know, and I don't think anybody else did because I think people have lives, but at the same time, uh, like how are you supposed to watch 16 games in a day? Are you referring to the, to, to ESPN's thing? So yeah, it was on ESPN too, I think. Starting well, at- they bill they bill it like oh everything's staggered so you can watch like all it's like oh well I mean if you're if you're paying attention to it it just it doesn't work that way like if you're paying attention to a game you can't you're not watching the other one they're all still so close to each other um, I mean I'll give them credit for trying to be original I suppose but for me the whole schedule has been ass backwards I feel like this year like, it, like it's been like you know thirty teams playing on a given night and then you know two or four or like one game like league wide and it's like why can't we just like spread it out like why can't there be like five to eight games every night introducing royal caribbean's newest ship icon of the seas the ultimate family vacation the ultimate six slides eight neighborhoods zero compromise vacation the ultimate never done that can't wait to do it vacation the ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation this is the icon of vacations Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. 
They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So, I mean, I can't say I watched it. I don't know if you guys did. I know that you guys are focused on the Bruins at 8.30, but. Yeah, after well, they finished, I threw it on just to see what it was about. <laughs> um, also, like, threw it on in intermissions at, at different points. But um, wait, when you call it a red zone, are you saying that? Because I, I, like, hand up, I didn't watch. Technically, the it's called, it was, like, called, like, Frozen Frenzy or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, on, on, it started on ESPN Plus, but on ESPN 2, from 8 o'clock on, they did do like whip around style coverage with Butcher Gross and Kevin Weeks where they were moving in and out of different games. Like they, so like they would go in on, if a team had a power play, they'd go to that game. Um, if there's a goal scored, they would flip, flip over to it and show you it like seconds after it was scored. So that I liked, like I was watching that before the Bruins game and I thought, I thought that was really cool. They did a good job with it. And it reminded me of like, I don't know if they still do it because it's been a long time since I like I've watched NHL Network regularly. But NHL Network used to have like NHL on the fly, um, you know, like certain nights of, of games, and they would kind of do something like this. But it wasn't. They didn't focus as much on game situations. It was more like they would just kind of drop into a game for a few minutes, and then they'd pull out and like switch over to another game. This was like, it was more targeted like NFL red zone, which if people don't aren't familiar with the concept is like, if a team gets down inside the 20 yard line, it's a scoring position. NFL red zone takes you to that game. You see every play, you see every score. And this was the same idea. Like they, they showed you every goal. Obviously you can't, you can't have that like set up the same way the NFL does. There's no, you know, red zone other than like the power plays, which they did show. But when there was a goal, they'd bring it to you like seconds later. So that, that was pretty cool. And I'd like to see that on some sort of regular basis. Mm -hmm. I also think the, the whole staggered starts thing, you know, it like, it doesn't have to be 16 games at 16 different start times, but I do think in general, like, the NHL would benefit from more staggered starts because there are so many nights where it's like eight games start at seven o'clock and then they're all in intermission at the same time. And it's like, like if I'm watching, if the Bruins aren't playing, like I'm watching ESPN plus, it's like, I want to flip over to another game. It's like, Oh, that one's also an intermission. Oh, this one's also an intermission. Like that is annoying. That, that I agree with. And so first of all, you know, I, I want to rescind my original um, take because I, I I didn't even know I didn't know, I didn't watch it, so I didn't realize it was a red zone type thing. Um, so I apologize for that, but I will say like to your point, Scott, like any NFL red zone is red zone for a reason because you can 
first of all, the pace of play in football is slower. So as a consumer, like to do that style with the NHL, I, it, it's kind of like, it just like provide, I feel like it's like anxious, like, you know, because there's lack of context, you're kind of all over the map. Um, but I, I will give them points for, for, for creativity, I suppose, but I did not watch that product. So I won't have an opinion on that, but just in general, um, yes, Scott, I agree with you on the, the staggered schedules. That's why I'm saying like, um, like, like the 16 games is overwhelming straight up that, that that's, that's a lot, um, with staggered schedules every, you know, eight minutes apart, 15 minutes apart. But in general, that's why I'm saying like the schedule has been annoying to me. It's like, you know, you'll have six, you'll have, you know, 10 games or 12 games one night and then either none or one the next night. And, and, and yeah, like just every night in the NHL, there should be, there should be like five to or like seven to 12 games, seven to 10 games every night, whatever. And, and to your point, yeah, in that situation, the game should be, you know, seven, seven thirty, or eight or eight thirty, or nine and like half hour integrals, depending on the time zone, because at least then, it's it's an appropriate amount of games where the staggering is useful. If you have 16 games and it's staggered, that's way too overwhelming to watch. Um, but if you have like five games that are staggered so that they're not all in intermission at the same time, like you said, Scott, like that's how they should do it. To have nights in the league where you have 32 teams, we have one game going on. It's like it's 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 it just be more consistent is all. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I was I was also thinking like. This, so this was also, I get from ESPN's perspective why they wanted this on Tuesday night, but like it was also kind of a tough spot on the sports calendar because Tuesday was also opening night of the NBA season with the Denver Nuggets raising their banner, and it, it was Game Seven of the NLCS, which you know, like at least neither of those are the NFL; they're not that huge juggernaut, but those are still two like pretty big nights with other sports going on. I was thinking like if they did something like this in February, like on a Saturday after, you know, like football season's done you don't have to worry about that on weekends. Um, like that would be pretty cool. If you did a whole, like started at 1230 or one o'clock and just have it all day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking like selfishly, like, you get like a miserable February day. I don't know. Maybe we're snowed in or something. Like I will absolutely sit there and watch twelve straight hours of hockey. That that would that'd be fantastic. Back when I used to live in North Carolina and have like a whole one friend, um, when I first moved there and I hadn't met anyone yet, I if that was available to me, that's what I would have done the whole day. I was watching every Bruins game, every Penguins game, every Wild game. And then whatever, whenever those teams weren't on, whatever other game was available, like I just mostly just watched hockey when I was there is what I'm trying to say. I did the same thing every day the entire time I was there. I woke up, worked out at 9 a.m., came back, showered, ate, took a nap, <laughs> went to work at like 5 and then came back and watched hockey. And then if I didn't have work that day, it was more hockey. Um, Scott, any 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 response to that? You do do you get up every day at nine a.m. and, and work out? <laughs> uh, no, no workout. No, my my workout is I just drink a ton of coffee. Yeah, it's the, not the same thing, Scott. The, um, the, the coffee marathon. <laughs> uh, and the, let's just say I was I was very healthy when I lived there, 
and I watched a whole lot of hockey. So, you know, it was, I was doing a lot. I've got the hockey part there. You got the hockey part. Yeah. Uh, a couple of players I wanted to mention from last night's game as well. Um, briefly, I just wanted to shout out uh, JVR again, just because on Frederick's goal, uh, I just, you know, his, uh, his speed was, his, was evident there again, just like you talk about him not slowing down necessarily and may have lost a step, maybe not right. Depending on if you feel like it's he that's lost a step or the league's gotten faster, but he has a very like long, powerful stride and, you know, showed some finesse and, and power skating to set up Frederick's goal. Um, but mainly uh, I, also yeah. just, just a boss move, chucking the stick away on that. Run. Oh like, yeah. He got, got like a, a little bit of a hook. The stick gets into his midsection and he just grabs it and chucks it into the boards. <laughs> yep. Um, but the other, but the other player I wanted to mention was Pavel Zaka because he gets his first goal of the year and a shot from, uh, you know, tipping in a shot from Shattenkirk, which Scott, you mentioned, uh, online that he's just really good at finding sticks in front. Um, but you know, I think it's a, I think Zaka's played well this year. I don't think the points, sh- uh, you know, um, dictate how he's been playing. But still, when you're when you're a designated number one center uh, on on a team, um, you know, two points in six games isn't isn't ideal. But he has been playing well, and hopefully, it's a situation where the points are going to start to follow him now. Yeah, with the line combination they have now, of course, like you're expecting that. Marshawn Zaka Pasternak line to have pretty high powered offense. So Zaka will be part of those scoring chances Um, with that, that line being having threats on both sides of him. Um, So yeah, I think that it was just a matter of time for him uh, to score his first and obviously also getting so much time on the power play on the top unit um, in the bumper a lot. You you see him tipping a lot of more shots throughout the season. So, yeah. And like, you know, it's like, this isn't even a, this isn't meant to be a criticism of Charlie Coyle, but it's like, that's the difference between being Charlie Coyle and being a legitimate top center. Because I think Charlie Coyle plays good hockey the vast majority of nights that he's out there. But if you're going to be a top two center, you're going to have to put up more than 40, 45 points. And, you know, with Zaka, he had 58 last year, so we already know he can do that. Um, but yeah, he he, wa- he has been playing good hockey all season. I think his two-way game has been there, but he came into Tuesday night with one assist on the season, no goals. So at some point, the points have to come, and I think they will for him, especially if he remains between Martian and Pasternak. But yeah, like there, there would have eventually gotten a point where it's like, okay, he's playing well, the details are there, but, you know, you can't have five points through the first 20 games of the season, you know, like it's got to, you got to pick up the pace at some point. So, yeah, that was good to see. Um, I feel like I had another point to make, and now I totally forgot it, so that's it. Um, yeah, I'm waiting to get interrupted at some point. How have I not gotten interrupted by one of my pets by this point? <laughs> it's like where, where are they? I don't know. <laughs> they usually have already made an appearance at this point, but everybody's been quiet and <laughs> left me alone. They, they don't have anything to disagree with. Our, our takes have been so good today I that they're just so. they're just sitting there and they're like, you know what? They nailed it. I don't have to chime in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for leaving me alone today. I do have one final thought, and it's just it has to do with the Danton Heinen situation. So, um, six games into the season, still don't know what going on with them 
keeping him around, but not having him signed yet. But it popped into my mind yesterday when Lucci got hurt or didn't, didn't play. And we know he's dealing with an injury. Like, are they maybe closer to signing him if Lucci has to miss time and maybe they're able to, um, I don't, I don't know what the Bruins haven't updated his injury status. I don't believe Scott, um, as of Wednesday morning, he's not on IR or anything like that, but that might maybe kickstart Heinen signing because they're going to need another forward. Cause as of right now, Brown is who they plug into the lineup, but they don't have an extra forward. If Lucic is going to be out for a few more games. So seems well, like a good time to sign. And now add Jacob Lauko potentially yeah. missing a couple games too, which we haven't even touched on, but obviously a very scary situation with him where he took, took a skate to the face and mm-hmm. ran right off the ice down the tunnel and lost quite a bit of blood as you could see if you're watching the game. Um, Jim Montgomery did provide an update after said he's, he's okay. Like it didn't get his eye. It was off to the corner of his eye, which is obviously yeah. very close, very scary, but just a situation where he needed stitches and should be okay. But, you know, we'll see if he plays the next game or if he needs a game or two to, to recover, to get to a point where, you know, just the discomfort of it is, is gone. Um, so we don't know exactly. I would have, probably at least expect that he's going to be in a bubble. You don't want any more contact with an area that just got, I'm assuming quite a few stitches. So yeah, yeah, that, that could also factor in like if they need, you know, if they're down to 11 forwards for this upcoming homestand, like either it's signing Heinen or you're calling someone up. So, Mm -hmm. um, but if you're Heinen at that point and and some say someone else gets called up, like you're probably sitting there wondering like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, is, it is a weird situation. Time. I mean, I, I've said before, like the Bruins might not want to make the final call until they make the final decision on Patra and they know exactly what their roster looks like moving forward. They but, should know by now. Like they yeah, know but that their, their hand might be forced before then. Yeah. But they also know the answer to that question too. Like they know they can't send him down. So, I mean, I feel like they should have already made that decision after Patra's three goals that he's not, he's sticking around past nine games. Um, so I don't know. I think it seems like it, um, we're getting to the point where it might be a necessity to sign him now. Um, I also feel like I wouldn't want to be strung along as long as they already have with Heinen. So um, maybe we'll see him play soon. Yeah, I mean, if I'm him, I don't want to stick around until December to find out if I have a spot. You kind of want to know yeah. sooner than later. Like, am I going? To, am I going to play overseas or, you know, in Europe somewhere? Am I going to? Play? Or even in the AHL to get paid? Like, he's not getting paid, is he? Like, I have no idea how this works. How he like does he get paid at all? Just practicing? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not entirely sure either. Like, obviously, he's not getting an NHL salary, so I don't. No, I don't know. No, if but on... I think he could though. Probably like a stipulation that you have, like people on a PTO have to get paid a certain amount. I, I don't know. I think he, but I think he could get an, an NHL salary, uh, at least league minimum from somebody else outside of Boston. So if I'm him, like he, 
start. Sure, the fit's great. You know some of the guys in the room. You know the coach. You coached you in college. You know the area. You played it for three or four years. But it's like, all right, you know, is it? You got to start being selfish at some point. And uh, so we'll see. Any other final takeaways from you guys? Final thoughts before we wrap up? I don't think so. No, I think I'm good. All right. So uh, next couple of games, Bruins have Anaheim, and then finally uh, they play their first Eastern Conference opponent of the season, which is pretty crazy that you you know you go through the first month of the season not playing anybody from your conference. I don't. I've never heard that before. Now technically, it's not going to happen because they will play a team from their conference this month, but just by the skin of their teeth, they get yeah. The last day. <laughs> yeah. And and it, it, do you think the Brewers are the only Eastern Conference team to play? Like only Western team so far, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked, but I would guess that that feels like a pretty safe guess. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, I guess we should... through yeah eight games or whatever it is. That's yeah, it's been, not... it's been a it's been an interesting schedule. Obviously, we said it's not the toughest schedule, but it, yeah, we haven't even we haven't seen them play against you know anybody from the conference, which is the meat of their season. So, but anyway, so yeah, Anaheim, Detroit, next two games and. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. Hey, guys, thanks for watching this Gate Podcast. If you want to see more of our videos, visit our playlist. Not in front of a screen? You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on social media, and if you enjoyed this video, please don't forget to give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel, and 